0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you'll be encouraged from this message from the book of Joel. You know, I want to begin by by telling you a quick little story. Uh, A story is told of of a pastor who went out one Saturday afternoon to visit his church members. And at one house, it was obvious that somebody was home. Uh, but nobody came to the door, even though the preacher kept knocking several times. And so finally, the preacher took out his card and he wrote Revelation three twenty on the back of it, and he stuck it on the door. It said, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me." Revelation three twenty. Well, the next day, the card turned up in the collection plate. And below the preacher's message was the following notation, Genesis 3.10, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. (laughs) You know, I read that joke a couple weeks ago, I'm like, I I gotta find a way to include it in today's message, it's so funny, it had me me in stitches. But church, if we're honest, uh, we'd admit that there are times when we try to hide from God. There are times when we try to run from God or or even rebel against God. There are times when we choose to ignore his knocking at our door as believers. And almost every time, if not every time, when we find ourselves in this state, it's because of sin. And as God's children, if we continue in this sinful state for any length of time, there will come a time... When we must settle with our heavenly Father. Numbers 32, 23 says, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure, right? Well, as we continue our study in the book of Joel, this is where we find the people of Judah. Their sin and rebellion against the Lord had found them out. And as a result, out of his great love for his people of Judah and out of his hatred for sin, God sent a locust plague, a great locust plague, to wreak havoc on their nation. But he used this extreme measure as a wake-up call to get the attention of his people. And he used the prophet Joel to deliver a message of utmost importance. Namely, and we've been through this, right, but we're going to repeat it again. Namely, if you repent, there will be blessing, but if you continue to rebel, things are only going to get a lot worse. And so now, over the last few weeks, we've seen that Joel's message to Judah was pretty bleak, right? It's been a pretty bleak message. But today's passage uh, is a welcome turning point in the book of Joel, because rather than focus on God's imminent judgment for Judah's sin, we're going to find Joel focusing on God's imminent blessing if Judah repented uh, of their sin. So the tone of Joel's message shifts from hopelessness to hopefulness. So how many of you guys can use a hopeful message this morning? Say, "I I can. I can as well. And you're in luck because today's passage provides a whole lot of hope. And Joel's hopeful message applies just as much to God's people now as it did way back then. And so it's through his message we're going to be reminded of an important truth to remember, especially for today's world, and it's this. Where there is repentance, there is revival. And I want you to keep that in mind. Where there's repentance, there is revival. Now, if you will, open your Bibles to Joel chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, in the Pew Bible, it's going to be page 761. And as you're turning to Joel 2, I'm just going to ask God's blessing on our time in his word today. So let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this morning and the opportunity to be back up here at the pulpit and just bring your word uh, to our people. I love, uh, <laughs> it's such a privilege, God, to be able to, to, to spend time uh, in your word and, and consume it and just, and just give whatever it is that you lay on our hearts each and every week. And God, I just pray that, that I would get out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts this morning. And, and God, that you would use this, this short little passage in the book of Joel Uh, to make us a little bit more like Jesus than when we arrived. And I ask this all in our Savior's name, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've all heard the expression, it's all fun and games until, dot, 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 you know, fill in the blank. And uh, and I'm sure that we've all experienced the painful results of this reality. Uh, I can distinctly remember driving home from uh, New York on a winter's night, with my wife and, and my, at the, at the time, newborn daughter uh, in the car, and we had very little gas in our van. And you can call it risky, you can call it rebellious, you can call it what you want to call it, but I ignored my wife's advice to get gas as we were driving down 81 South. I was living on the edge. I, I, I believe that we can make it home on little to no gas. And do you know what? It was all fun and games until the engine started sputtering right down 81 South. And so I was able to pull off the next available exit, which, by the way, had no gas station, and I kind of drifted the van into an empty parking lot. And there we sat at a standstill, my wife, my newborn child, in a cold van in the dead of winter with an impending snowstorm and an empty gas tank. And in just a few moments, the situation turned from fun and living on the edge to fearful. I went from living on the edge to living on a prayer. Well, church, this is where we find God's people in Judah, of Judah. Their tank was empty. They had sinned and rebelled against the Lord to the point where their life was brought to a standstill. They had lost just about everything necessary for normal day-to-day activities. And on top of that, God's judgment was imminent. However... If they humbled themselves and repented of their sin, not all would be lost. On the contrary, they would be greatly blessed. And so in today's passage, we're actually going to find three blessings that come when God's people repent. Three blessings. That's all really good stuff this morning. And so let's begin by looking at the first, the blessing of relief. The blessing of relief. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain and wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea, and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. You know, if he ever rode a bike or rode a boat against the wind, you know that it's hard work when the wind is resisting you, right? But if you turn around and you go with the wind, there's much less work involved. In fact, the wind works for you when you go the right way. Well, church, the same is true with God. When we work against him by sinning and rebelling and choosing our own way instead of his way, we make life much more burdensome. But when we turn around we repent, we go the right way, God starts working for us, and life becomes much less burdensome. I love how Peter describes repentance in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. He says, repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing, refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Church, there's just something about repentance that reinvigorates the spirit and brings relief to the soul. And this was certainly true with the people of Judah. Now, it's worth noting before we go any farther that there is some debate in this little passage here as to whether or not this portion describes the results of Judah's repentance or what would happen if they repented. You see, the text seems to imply that at some point Judah did, in fact, repent, but the truth is, is we don't actually know, like, for sure, because how it's translated is just a little bit uh, off kilter, so so people differ on, on whether or not this was the result uh, or, or what would happen if. But regardless, the blessing does not change. And so through repentance, Judah would receive relief. And so when you look, when Joel said in verse 18, then the Lord became jealous for his lands and had pity on his people, I just want you to note uh, that this isn't a sinful kind of jealousy. You know, because God talks... Uh, commands us not to be jealous or envious and those kind of things. This isn't God exercising sinful behavior. One commentator describes it as the jealousy of a faithful husband who prizes his bride and won't let anyone harm her. I like that. I like that definition of jealousy uh, as it relates to the jealousy of God. You see, church, one of the great blessings of repentance, one that should bring you and I such great relief, is knowing that through repentance, God... Our Father works for us. Now, in Judah's case, God would be faithful to provide uh, the physical relief that they so desperately needed. First, God would send them grain and wine and oil. And these items were critical to their livelihood uh, as a people because they were all destroyed by the locust invasion. God had, rep- had promised to replenish this source of life. And in doing so, the Lord said, you will be satisfied. Next, the Lord said, I will make... No more. I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. You see, Judah was mocked by outside nations because of everything they went through with the locust plague. Yet the Lord intended to remove this stigma. And finally, the Lord said, I will remove the northerner far from you. In other words, God would prevent this imminent, this coming judgment, this invading army from attacking them. Church, remember, God's promise of relief didn't just apply to God's people then. It applies to you and I today. When we repent, we too will have a great burden of sin lifted off our shoulders. And we too will save ourselves from a bad situation and prevent a bad situation from getting a lot worse. And that's what repentance does, right? Not only does it remove us from a bad situation, but it prevents a bad situation from getting a lot worse. Because when you continue in sin, it doesn't get better, right? It does not get better. It could only get worse. In fact, James uh, chapter 1, verse 15 says, Sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So now, relief is only the first of many blessings that come when we repent. Let's look at the second in this passage. The blessing of renewal. Renewal. Let's look at verses 21 through 24. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for your pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yields. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil." You know, Church, I'll often joke around with my brother about a job that he used to have while in college. Uh, it was a work-study job, and it was one that he was completely unqualified for. You see, he worked uh, as, at the help desk and, and at the college, and his job primarily was to, to help people with computer problems. But the only problem is, my brother knew nothing about computers. And so the big joke was, every time somebody called, a student called him with a computer problem, his go-to response was, just restart the computer and it'll be fine. But here's the kicker, nine out of ten times, that solved the problem. Just a quick little restart, and, and so we, I'll always joke around like, like he's our IT guy, just restart the computer, you know? And, but church, it got me to thinking, just like most computer or even phone problems are resolved by pressing a restart button, many of our sin problems are resolved the same way. You see, when we repent, it's like hitting the restart button. When a computer or phone shuts down or reboots, it turns back on with like a clean slate, right? It's like a factory reset. And so when we repent, God in his mercy and his grace gives us a clean slate as well. Look at 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God promised Judah a restart if they repented. In fact, he promised to make all things new. Their land would once again yield crop and fruit, and the animals of the field would once again be eaten, be satisfied. There'd be plenty of rain and grain and wine and oil, just like trading in an old clunker car. And leaving a dealership with a brand new car, Judah would be trading in the burdens brought on by their sinful life. And start living in newness of life. Church, only God can do that. Only God. Only God can take what's broken and make it new and see so man you look at what's going on in our society and our culture right now and it's like man they're trying to fix it but they're using the wrong tools right there's only like we as as human beings we don't have enough tools in our chest to fix the major problems in our culture right now god is the answer and i know oh that's a church answer that's cliche no it's the truth it's the truth we are citizens of heaven right we're actually not citizens of earth when we become believers. We're citizens of heaven. And, and heaven runs a whole different way than how man runs society. And so, man, we got to turn to God. Only God can really take what's broken and make it new. Otherwise, it's a band-aid at best. But, you know, perhaps you're here this morning and you're just feeling wrecked by your own sin. Perhaps you're feeling, like, broken and irreparable. I've been a believer for however many years, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh man, like, what do I have to show for it? Like I, I, I've gotten as far as I can get in my walk with the Lord. It's, I'm close to giving up. Friend, if that's you, I want you to listen closely. Satan wants nothing more than to get you to believe that you're not worth it in the eyes of God. Or that you're a lost cause. He knows he can't have your soul. Once you're a believer, he can't have your soul. But man, he can take away your effectiveness if you allow him to. He wants nothing more than to beat you down to the point where you lose your effectiveness as a follower of Christ. And the rest of your days are just kind of going through the motions till you die. Friend, if that's you, do not believe the enemy's wicked lies. Jesus proved conclusively that you were worth it 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross at Calvary. And if he was willing to die to save your soul, he will always be faithful to renew your soul when you call upon him in repentance. Psalm 86.5, I believe, says it great. He says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to, to who? All! who call upon you. Guess who all is? All of us, right? Everybody who calls upon him. He is good and forgiving and abounding in steadfast love. And that's what he was to Judah. I mean, we look at this and we're like, man, judgment, 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 judgment. God is an angry God. No, he's not. He's given his people, his kiddos, opportunities to come back to him. And like, at some point, it's over, right? Like like you can only give your kids so many amazing, patient, wonderful opportunities before it's like, okay, I warned you, like a lot. I love you. See, God is, is there for us and, and is willing to receive us back when we, when we call upon him. But at some point, time's up. And so Judah was getting close to that point. So Joel actually called on Judah to rejoice in this moment, right? And they had great reason to rejoice. Rejoice. Relief and renewal were right around the corner. Or if you take the interpretation that they had already repented, they're starting to experience the relief and renewal. That's a lot of great reasons to rejoice. But here's the thing about God. When he blesses, he blesses. You see, we all heard the expression, go big or go home. God doesn't go home. He just goes big when he blesses. Not only does he promise Judah the blessing of relief, not only does he promise Judah the blessing of renewal, but he has one more blessing coming their way. And this leads us to the third blessing, the blessing of restoration. Restoration, verses 25 through 27. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You know, when you experience problems in your marriage, you don't lose your position as a married couple. Did you know that? However, you do lose your productivity as a couple. Your relationship is hurt and if changes aren't made, your marriage is going to suffer in the end. You see, positionally, Judah was God's people. And their position as God's people wasn't going to change. But because of their sin, Judah's relationship with God was hurt, and then their their suffering, their judgment, was imminent. However, if they made changes, their relationship with God would be restored. Just like that. Restored instantly. Along with all the blessings that came with it. And the same is true with God's people today. Church, as believers, we can never lose our position in Christ. Amen. Praise God for that. We can never lose our position no matter how dumb we act. We cannot lose our position in Christ. We can never lose our identity as his children or lose that free gift of salvation that he offers. Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We are in the Lord's hand like this and nobody taken taking us out of it. And so we praise God for that truth. However, if we choose to live in sin, we will lose our productivity as followers of Christ. And if changes aren't made, our relationship with God will suffer, even to the point of receiving punishment, perhaps even severe punishment. Why? Because God's angry and hates us? No, it's because God loves us. Look at Hebrews 12:6. For the Lord disciplines those he what? and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. You know, if you are a parent and you don't punish your child when they do wrong, you are not a good parent because that's just the way it's supposed to be. There's something going on with your parenthood if you don't discipline your kids because you discipline those that you love because you care too much about them to allow them to go down a path that's going to hurt them in the end. Friends, like Judah, if we repent of our sin, not only will our relationship with God be restored, but the blessings, and this is just so cool, and I don't even know how this works, but the blessings that come with having a relationship with God will also be restored, even some of the lost blessings along the way. Even some of those blessings we could have had then, God has a way of of giving us uh, through repentance. Look at what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, you cannot have back your time. But there's a strange and wonderful way in which God can give back to you wasted blessings, the unripened fruit of years over which you mourned. It is a pity that they should have been locust-eaten by your folly and negligence, but if they have been so, be not hopeless concerning them. Church, what Chip and Joanna Gaines do for houses, God does for hearts. He is in the business of restoration. He takes what has been broken or trashed by by sin, and he brings life to it again. In his great prayer of repentance, David wrote in Psalm 51, 12, Restore to me, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Friends, God will always be faithful, always be faithful to restore and reinvigorate those who earnestly call upon him. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember. Where there is repentance, there is revival. You know, when we think of that word revival, our minds often go to like we think of this evangelism explosion that multitudes of people come to faith in Christ and it's this great thing and everybody's changed and woohoo. And that's great. And we want that kind of revival, yes. But well before that can happen, a different kind of revival needs to take place. We've talked about this before. It's a revival in the hearts of God's people. You know, at its core, when you look up Webster, (laughs) to revive simply means to resuscitate or revitalize. It's kind of like when somebody is kind of lying on the floor and and they lost their breath and you need to revive them, resuscitate them back to life. Church, well before we can see revival in our world, we must see revival in our church. We need to see God's people resuscitated back to a life that is fully committed to the pursuit of holiness for the cause of Christ. You know, after a very successful crusade, when countless people placed their faith in Christ, and those are awesome, you know, the Billy Graham crusades, the great evangelist Billy Graham was asked by somebody, is this revival? You know, people come into faith in Christ like crazy, is this revival? And listen to Billy Graham's answer. He said No. He said, when revival comes, I expect to see two things which we have not yet seen. First, a new sense of the holiness of God on the part of Christians. And second, a new sense of the sinfulness of sin on the part of Christians. Revival has everything to do with us and nothing to do with the world. So church, as we close, I want to encourage you to ask God to help you receive a new sense of his holiness. And to help you see sin the way that he sees sin. I want to encourage you to ask God to reveal any areas of sin in your own life that need to be confessed. And I encourage you to ask God to revive your heart this morning. I've heard it said that God will pardon a repentant sinner more quickly than a mother would snatch her child out of the fire. And so church, what are you waiting for? God is knocking at your door. You are only minutes away from receiving his relief and his renewal and his restoration. So I want to encourage you in the quietness of these closing moments to, to, to ask God to reveal to you areas that need uh, to be worked on and give them back over to the Lord. And man, receive what the blessings he wants to give to you. We all want his blessings, amen? And so I'd like to call those that are going to be closing us in song to come up this morning. Let me pray over you uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the hope that you offer. And, and, and God, even as I stand here, I'm amazed at, at how much uh, blessing you pour on us, Lord, when we, when we choose to turn to you. And God, I'm amazed at your patience with your children. As a father of three kids, I lose my patience, like, in a, in a second, A millisecond. Yet you watch us fall time and time and time again. And you're patient to warn us. You're patient to to draw us back to yourself. You're patient, God, with us. And then the moment we turn back to you, you celebrate us and you bless us. Lord, that is love that we can't even relate to. We don't understand it. Oh, but Lord, we praise you for it. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. Revive our hearts this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.